0: Um, hi, my name is June. Um, like Brian said, I am not a pastor here. Um, that wasn't made clear. Um, I, I do talk with my hands, though, um, so I feel like that is a prerequisite to, like, teach here, which is, like, why they kind of moved everything away from me so I don't knock anything over. Um, uh, <laughs> with that being said, um, because I am not a pastor, um, I, I do teach coding uh, at a school downtown, and what's interesting about teaching coding is that it's far less stressful than preaching the Word of God, because I feel like if you don't know the answer to something, you can just make it up. Um, but with this, it's kind of like you can't do that. So if a lightning bolt comes down from the ceiling and strikes me down, um, just leave me there. I had it coming. So, um, no, but for real, I'm, I'm super excited to, to be here tonight and to just, like, open up the Word of God with you. and and to I, I've, I've been, like, kind of just chewing on the Scripture for the last, like, couple of weeks or so, and it's really just, like... I don't know, it's really done a work in me, and I've been praying for you this week and, and hoping that um, you have an encounter with Jesus tonight. You know, um, I, I hope that when you, by the time you leave this place, like you know that you have a God in heaven who knows your name, who loves you very, very much, and is desiring to... Um, lavish you in his love lavish you in everything that he has for you so tonight like i hope and pray that if you're tired like you've come to the right place right like you've come to a place where like you are loved um, we love you and not only that like the god in heaven your father loves you way more um, than any of us could and so I-, I want you to i want to start with that i want you to know that tonight um, and so uh with that being said um happy new year um if I'm honest with you, I'm like kind of low key bummed about the new year, and the reason why is because it's that time of year where everybody's talk, talking about being fit, and I, I turn on YouTube to watch my favorite vloggers, and it's like, oh, you should start eating better, uh, you should start working out, and I'm like, can I just like eat my double cheeseburger like in peace, please? Like, you don't, I don't need that negativity in my life. Like, I'm just trying to like, I'm just trying to enjoy this thing, um, and and it's it's just like that, right? And like my wife, um, we have a tradition in our house where she'll make. Um, cinnamon rolls um, for the new year to celebrate. And I didn't really grow up with baked goods, like, and like, I just love that. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And like, um, my wife is making the cinnamon rolls. They're coming out of the oven. They look amazing. And then I notice off to the side, there's like a tin of five of them. I'm like, what, what's up with this tin over here to the side? She's like, oh, I'm, I'm giving some to my coworkers. I'm like, no, you're not. Those are those are mine. I mean, those are our cinnamon rolls, right? Like you can't do that to me. And then I found out t- tonight. Apparently, she has another batch set aside for like her small group ladies. And I'm like, what is this? Like you can't be doing that. These are like this is for me to enjoy, right? And um and oftentimes, like I think what happens is you know the new year hits. You're know, like I need to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be fit. I'm gonna go on a diet. And I'm gonna not having these things that are that make me happy or that are like really tasting really good, right? And oftentimes I really feel like. That is how we view the Christian life, right? The Christian life is like life on a diet, right? Like, hey, you could have a Coke, but instead of having a Coke, you're going to have a diet Coke because you're a Christian, right? Like, you could have a cinnamon roll, but you're going to have a gluten-free, sugar-free, like, cinnamon roll that's really small. You are like ah, what? Like, that's, that's, like, not what it's like, right? And, and, I, and the reason why I bring this up is because I'm, I feel like this scripture that we're in tonight challenges that very thought, Right? The, 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 the difference is actually, what John is saying here actually, is that you have access to life abundant, right? You have access to the ability to overcome the world through life given to you, hidden in Jesus Christ, right? So, the, so what the world might say is like, this is good for you, this is right, this is awesome, like, in fact it's not going to give you joy. And true joy is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And the Christian life is not this life on the diet, right? But it's actually life abundant. And I want to challenge that tonight. And and that's just like the truth, right? I don't know how else to tell you. Like, that's just, that's what it is. So why don't we we go ahead and and read the scripture one more time, and then we'll kind of, we'll keep going. I want to give us um, some context. And so really, my first point tonight um, is that the gospel should lead us to worship. The gospel should lead us to worship. That our joy, our deepest longings, um, our, our hope, our fulfillment is not found in things of this world, right? Not found in like what the world says is good, but it's found in the person and complete work of Jesus Christ and the generosity of God. And my hope and my desire for us tonight is as we behold that in the scriptures, as we behold that in the text, that we would come and we would worship. Right? We don't just behold Jesus for who he is and like stop, but we behold him when we find ourselves at the foot of the cross and we're like, you in fact are good. You in fact are better. You in fact fulfill my joy. That is my prayer for us tonight. So when we read this text here in chapter 5, verse 13, John says this I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you know, that you may know that you have eternal life. Let me read that one more time. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, if you've read 1 John, it's a really great epistle, you'll see John say this multiple times. And the first time we actually see him say something like this is in chapter 1, uh, verse 4. And why don't we pull that up? I have that scripture up there. And it says, And we are writing these things to you so that your joy may be complete. Right, and then we see him say this again in chapter two, verse one. And he says, "I write these things to you so that you may not sin." Right. So, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So, John, like, what are you? Why are you really writing these things? Let's kind of unpack this a little bit, right? So, the first time he says, "Is hey, I'm writing these things to you so that your joy may be fulfilled." Like, what are you talking about? If we take a step back, we see John say, "Hey." I'm giving you the testimony of Jesus. I've seen him with my eyes. I've touched him with my hands. I've spent time with him, and I'm telling you about him so that your joy may be fulfilled, that you may know him, that you may partake in our fellowship, right? That the things you're looking for to fulfill your life are found right here, and I'm telling you about him right now, right? That's why John is saying, I'm telling you so that you may not look anywhere else to find your joy, but you, you would find it in the person and work of Jesus. And then we see him say it again in chapter 2, and he says, hey, I'm writing these things to you so you do not sin. And what's amazing is before he even says that, he says, hey, confess your sins to God, and he's faithful and just to forgive you. Hey, and if you do sin because you're going to sin, you have an advocate in Jesus. And I love that because when our joy is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ, our desires are focused on one thing, and they're not to the left or to the right. They're not to what the world is saying is good, but they're focused on Jesus, and our desires become his desires. And the amazing thing is, because we are people, and we are going to sin, and we are going to fail, when we do fail, we can confess our sin confidently, and we know that he forgives us, and that Jesus is advocating for us on our behalf. So if you're here tonight, and you're like, yo, like, I've been messing up. it's already been, I thought 2018 was going to be my year, but apparently 2019 is my year. And that feels like you. I want to tell you tonight, like you have an advocate in Jesus. You can confess your sin and he's going to forgive you. Like you don't have to hold on. Why are you striving? Don't strive, like confess because he's faithful and just to forgive you. I feel like we need to press into that tonight. Will you pray with me? God, we confess tonight that we are needy people. We confess tonight Lord, that we, our desires waver. <laughs> And we need you to change our desires because we want to do things that are reckless. We want to do things that aren't good for us. We want to do things that are what we we see right in our eyes and in our hearts. And we need you to change that. Change our desires so that our joy is fulfilled in who you are. And that you would remind us that we can confess that we've failed and that we need you, God we can find rest in who you are tonight. So God, I pray as we open your scriptures and may you illuminate that to our hearts and in our minds so that we know that we have an advocate in Jesus and that we have you who's forgiving us of our sins, even now, even right now. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. So so John is saying, hey, I'm writing these things so that your joy is fulfilled, and that your joy is fulfilled, and you do not sin anymore, that you don't waver left and right, but if you do sin, you are forgiven. And I'm also writing you these things so that you know that you have eternal life, that your life has been redeemed. That is the overarching context of this whole letter, right? Is that the gospel of Jesus, the work of Jesus Christ is complete, and you as a person who knows him, are now redeemed and you have access to this eternal life, right? And so if we look at the previous verses in chapter 5, we see that if you believe in Jesus, you are grafted into the family of God. Natural fruit of you being a child of God is that you love the people around you, okay? And not only that, we see that as as John is writing this, he says, the testimony of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are legit, okay? Okay? Some would say it's Gucci, it's legit, right? Like, it's good, I can build my life on this because we have not only the Holy Spirit telling us that it's legit, we have his, de- his uh, baptism in water and his death on the cross saying, hey, this is actually legit, okay? And not only that, we have God testifying that, hey, this is my son. Right now, like, if, if I'm hanging out with some people and they're like, hey, the best ice cream in Denver is at Sweet Action, and I'm like, yes, like, I agree with you. I'm believing your testimony. And by the way, if you don't believe that, like I would press on, I would ask you to like test that spirit and find that it is actually true. Right? Like, like it is true, right? Like, so like if I'm gonna believe, in fact, that like a person, a mere person saying this is like truth, then I better believe the testimony of God. Right? I better believe the testimony of God. And we see this in chapter five, verse eleven. He says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. One more time And this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. Whoever has the son has life, whoever does not have the son does not have life. That we believe the story of God redeeming sinful men and women. This is what we have access to in the person of Jesus. So why is John saying, like, I'm writing these things to you um, who believe in God that you know? Believe in Jesus, that you know that you have eternal life, and the reason why I think he's saying this, church, is because we forget. Right? If you're like me, you grew up in the church, like you like hear, oh, you you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life, you're saved. You're like, oh, cool. Like, why would I do that? Because I'm from San Diego, and that's like what we do, right? Oh yeah. Like, yeah, we're saved. It's like super tight. Like, going to go surf a wave now, right? Like that is like that is what we hear, and you like hear that truth, and it's actually really, really weighty but you never look back and you never see, like, what does that actually mean for me? What was my life before, before him, without him? Where's my purpose? What did my life actually look like before Christ stepped in and awoke in my heart to who he is? And so I was thinking this week, like, how can I kind of synthesize, synthesize Uh, That's a hard word. Synthesize these thoughts, right? How can I? How can I kind of display this to you? That really, it isn't until we look back at who we were before Christ that we can actually see worship and and like treasure the fact that we are saved. And I'm actually like, uh, and as I was thinking through this, I realized I'm a pretty nostalgic person. If you like hang out with me, I'm like very nostalgic. Like it's almost ridiculous sometimes. Um, And so. As I was thinking through this, um, I was thinking about my story. Um, my parents uh, actually immigrated from the Philippines. Um, so I'm Filipino-American and I'm first generation, meaning my parents immigrated to America to, for like a better life for themselves and for us. So my parents assimilated a different culture, learned another language. And, and growing up, I just didn't have a lot, um, didn't have very much. Um, and in the last couple of years, it really feels like um, my life is coming together, and I, the only way I can kind of describe it is like I'm living the American dream. Like I don't know how else to say that. Like um, me and my wife just bought a house recently, and that was like super crazy. And there was never like a reality in my life where I thought that was actually going to happen. I just kind of thought like, cool, I'm just like want not have a house, and I'm fine with that. Um, and there was actually a moment when some people were helping us move into this house, and I fell asleep on the couch when we were all done. I didn't fall asleep while we were moving. That sounds horrible. But, like, we were done moving. Okay? I'm a good person. I uh, fell asleep on the couch, and I woke up, and I was like, where am I? I'm in another person's house. This is not a good look, like, at all. And I'm literally about to make a beeline for the door. Like, I'm not kidding you. And I look, and there's, like, a box of my own stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is my house. Like, it's, it's all right. It's going to be okay. Okay? Um, and so, like, that was, I mean, that happened, and, and then my parents came to visit, and that's when it became, like, really, really real for me. Um, there was a moment when uh, my mom and I were downstairs in our basement, and I'm from Southern California, and there are no basements, and so that was, like, kind of crazy. So my mom's, like, walking around in the basement, and she turns around, and I, and I see that she has, like, tears in her eyes, and she says, Anak, and in Tagalog, that means my child. And she says, Anak, like did not know your life was going to look like this. And that's when it, like, hit me like a ton of bricks, right? Like, my parents had worked so hard to build opportunities for me and my sister, and opportunities that they probably never, ever, actually, ever got. I got to go to a great high school. Um, I went to a college, although it was an unaccredited Bible college, like, I still went to college, right? And, like, my parents didn't have that opportunity, but, like, they, they built, like, they, they made sure that we had access to that and like I remember just growing up and we were so broke like at one point like I had a (laughs) this is funny um we I had a homework assignment and we didn't we didn't have glue we couldn't afford glue um I I guess that's how broke we were and um the homework assignment was like cutting out pieces and then gluing them to like another piece of paper science Um, and (laughs) my mom was like well in the Philippines we would either use syrup or use rice to glue these pieces these papers to the thing and I was like okay um, and I just have this memory as my teacher's, like, collecting the assignments that like, all the other assignments just, like, stuck to mine as she's, like, pulling them out. And I was, like, oh, man, like, this is crazy. Like, um, I like, have memories of us, like, sleeping on the floor, like, in this, like, four of us in, like, a one-bedroom apartment. And, and I just, like, look at, like, where we were to, like, where we are now. And, like, I have a house. Like, that's crazy, right? Like, that my parents, like, did everything they possibly could to give us these opportunities. And, like, all of a sudden, like, I went from, like, not having glue in my house to, like, owning a house that has glue inside of it, right? Like, it's like, what? like, And when you look back and, like, you see that, I I begin to see, like, wow, like, I'm so grateful because now, like, this house is, like, a thing that, you know, when I have a kid someday, like, man, they're going to be able to walk around in it. And actually, I have a a photo of my family. First of all, you're welcome. Um, (laughs) Second of all, uh, I feel bad for our kids when we have kids someday because they're going to have, like, asthma and celiac and wear glasses but I'm gonna love my kids uh, but the next the next photo um, there's my family um, but it isn't until like you look back right you look back and see like how far we've come you really begin to cherish like the things that you have and I would I would challenge you tonight like that is that is what we need to do with the gospel you're told from the, from the jump, hey, you have eternal life. But what does that actually mean? It isn't until we look back and see how we were in active rebellion against God. Until we see that I actually didn't, I don't want anything to do with you. And then you realize the only thing you've actually ever, con- like, contributed to your salvific work was your sin. And that God forgave your sin. It kind of puts everything into perspective. Titus chapter 3 says this. And I want you, I'm going to read this and this is like, This kind of put everything in perspective for me. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to the good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Church, I want to invite us tonight This is the truth that we need to preach to ourselves every day so that we might behold God for who he is in his goodness and his generosity, that we might observe the great lengths that he's gone to to redeem us from the grips of hell, that he sent his son, and his life is in his son. It's hidden in his son, and it's now in our hearts. That we have access to this hope, we have access to this joy and this fulfillment. And it's nothing that we've ever done. It's nothing that we could ever do. It's only the work that God can do. And with that, that leads me to my next point. And that is the gospel gives us confidence. The gospel gives us confidence. So in verse 14 it says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, I kind of want to camp out on that word confidence. Now, if we kind of recap real fast, we talked about how um, the gospel is the overarching story, um, that we are given the assurance of eternal life. But on top of that, we are also given this confidence right and and it's a natural progression of like our walk with God that now that you are saved you've been justified you your sins are forgiven you you are righteous in the eyes of God you are now given confidence to stand before him right and that word confidence speaks of like your right standing your ability to approach God no longer as like a unapproachable person or being but as family that you as a Christian a sinner saved by grace marked by the blood of Jesus now have access to God as a father. And you have confidence to do that. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through, um, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from any evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That we have access to God. We can can come into his courts, and we can petition, and we can ask him things, and not only does he just hear them, he's listening for us. I was thinking how, uh, how I could, like, kind of synthesize this down. And I thought about when I first moved to Denver. I moved uh, from San Diego to help plant a church. And I didn't really know anybody. Um, and my roommate, uh, Andy, he comes to this church now. Um, he, he led worship, and we played music together. You might see me up here every once in a while. I'm playing, like, a box drum. You might see me, like, is, he, is that guy playing a box? Like, I am playing a box. Like, it's, a little, it's called a cajon that's actually, like, the name for the instrument, um, which also means box, apparently. Um, <laughs> and so um, I get a call from one of his friends, and she's like, hey, I'm a worship leader. Um, I need, I heard you play like a, a cajon or a box, and I'd love to have you come play with me at my like next, um, my next like worship thing. and I'm like, cool, that's awesome. Like, I'd love to do that. Um, where's the next time you're playing? And she's like, oh, I'm playing at Red Rocks. And I was like, cool. I, like, didn't know, like, what Red Rocks was. I was like, is that, like, a, are the rocks red at Red Rocks? Like, I'm, and I was like, all right, cool. So, like, I show up, and I was like, this is a bigger deal than I actually expect it to be. Like, this is, I should not be here. And as I'm, like, walking through, I'm, like, handed a pass. I'm like, why do, why am I getting a pass? Like, I shouldn't be here. Like, <laughs> I'm definitely not good enough to be here. And, like, as I'm walking through, like, Switchfoot is there. And I'm like, oh, there's Switchfoot. I definitely should not be here. Um, and so I'm walking through, and then, like, there's Chick-fil-A. I'm like, I'll take a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And then I turn around, there's Caleb, and, like, I should not be here once again. Um, and so the whole time I'm there, I'm like, this is, like, an out-of-body experience. Like, I just play a, a box drum, and yet, like, I am at Red Rocks. Where, like, what? Like, and so as we're, like, kind of hanging out, my friend is like, hey, we should check, check out the wall. And if you've ever been to Red Rocks, or if you know about like, Red Rocks and its history, um, there's this wall there. And it used to be the like, orchestra pit. And what ended up happening was it became this place where all the musicians who, sang, who played Red Rocks get to sign this wall. And so we're walking to the, the wall. And in front of the wall, there's, like, there's literally a curtain and a bodyguard. And again, I'm like, I definitely should not be here. Like, why are you taking me to the wall? And he like kind of looks me up and down and sees my passion. He's like, "All right," and like opens the, the curtain, and I walk through. And it was it was just like this crazy feeling. You're looking, you're seeing all these signatures, and there's like, um, you see uh, like Judas Priest, you see REM, you see Jason Mirage, you see the Beatles, you see like John Mayer, you see Switch. You see all these names. And actually, to show you that I'm not lying to you, I actually brought a picture. Um, There's my name. Actually, so I go by June, but Josh was my first name, and my buddy Andy signed the wall, and I was like, "Of course, I'm gonna sign right next to John Mayer's name because it's John Mayer." Um, And so here I am, a guy who plays a box drum, standing inside like, like a music history, and my name is on the wall, and it should not be there, right? And I can't help but think when we think about the gospel. And we think about the fact that it says here, hey, you can enter in confidently to the throne room of God, right? The holy of holies, like you should not be there, but because of the work of Jesus, all of a sudden you're you're granted access, right? When Jesus dies on the cross in Matthew um, chapter 27, it says that the the holy of holies, the veil that separated the holy place and the holy of holies, was split from top to bottom. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what that means, the holy of holies was so holy that the high priest of Israel could only enter to that place once a year. They would tie a bell to his ankle, okay? And when he was in there doing his priestly duties and the bell stopped ringing, they knew that man was dead and they would pull him out, right? Because the holiness of God consumed the sinful man. And all of a sudden, we are given access to that place. Why? Because of the work of Jesus Christ. We have confidence that we can say, you know what, God, I need you. I don't have to go through a priest. I don't have to like... I don't have to go through any mediator. Like, I am confident that I, have, I am in right standing with you. I don't have to prove anything. That The blood of Jesus covers me, and now I'm good. You know what that means for us? Hebrews would say, we can enter into this rest now. We can rest, and we can say, I don't have to prove anything. When I mess up and when I sin, I can confess my sin, and my high priest, Jesus, who actually, like, sympathizes with my weakness because he was a man advocates for me tonight you need to you need to rest in that stop striving like stop god is already looking at you like you're righteous so why are you trying to like prove something and you shouldn't your righteousness accounts to dirty rags you've got nothing to show for it but you have jesus advocating for you so why are you striving Rest. Rest in his confidence. You have a direct connection to God. He is your Abba. He is your Father. Which leads us to the next point. The gospel gives us a good, good Father. When we read this, it says, hey, this is the confidence that you have to approach God that if you ask anything according to His will, He hears you. And if we know that He hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. We spent a lot of time talking about like God's grandeur, right? We talked like, like he's saved us from our sins, He's extremely generous, He's extremely like. Um, holy, right? And the thing about that is that, yeah, those things are all completely true. I would amen all those things. The thing that you need to also know is that not only is he extremely, like, grand and great, but he's extremely good. That he's extremely good to you. That when we ask him for something, not only is he listening, he's willing to give us the thing we are longing for, the thing we are searching for, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or Which one of you, if his sons ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil... <laughs> know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good, give good give good things to those who ask of him Now when I when I hear this I think of my dad and I I know that my experience is not everybody's experience but I had a really amazing dad who like worked really hard loved his wife loved his children and like loved his kids and I know that for some of you I bring up this idea of like a father and like immediately like the walls go up I understand that. Like, I worked in the inner city where a lot of the kids never had a father figure. And what I think is unique about both of these experiences is whether or not you have a good earthly father or you didn't, that both of these earthly fathers point to a better earthly father. Right? Points to this God who desires to not only save you and redeem you, but lavish you in his gifts, lavish you in his mercy, lavish you in his love and, like, Welcome you with open arms. That when you ask of him of anything, and it's in his will, like he gives it to you. And you know what's amazing about that? When you are praying and you're asking God for something, it isn't you like imposing your will on God. It's actually you aligning your will with His. Right. And so when you are praying, God, I need this. I, I need this in my life. And God actually gives it to you. It's because your His your will is aligned with His. And so it's a really a ceremony where you're like, you know what, like. What I want is what you want, and what I desire is what you desire. If that's true, if that's true for us, we do have a God who not only loves us, but is a good father and desires to give us the things that we need, then why is it that we turn to our left and to Why do we keep going to wells that are dry, trying to find water, when your good father is like, I have what you need? Why do we keep turning and looking for validation or um, love in other places that were never meant to give us those things? Why? When you have your father who's waiting, he's literally listening to, to give you what you need. I want to remind you tonight that like, you can do that. You know what's amazing about a good father too is when you mess up, he loves you through it when you sin and you fail. He's going to love you through it. That's the confidence we have. His his mind is not going to change. His his thoughts for you are not going to change. So what do you need to ask the Lord tonight? What do you need to confess to Him tonight? Stop holding on to this thing that's weighing you down. Stop turning to things that are distracting you from Him. Ironically, when, when John closes this... Epistle, he says, Hey, keep yourselves from idols. Why? Because those things distract you from the thing that's going to give you the most joy. So tonight, what do you have to confess? What do you have to ask? Your father's listening, he's waiting for you. You pray with me. God, our hearts are fickle. One moment we want this thing, the next moment we want to, we want another thing. And we're asking and we're pleading, Lord, that tonight that you would rein those things in. You would fix our, you would help us fix our eyes on who you are. That our desires would, would be your desires. And our hearts of stone would become hearts of flesh because of what your son has done on the cross. That you would change our hearts. That we would rest in this confidence that we have in you, that we are redeemed. That we are bought, we are purchased. That you love us and your heart for us will never change. That we can be confident in that truth. And tonight, Lord, I pray for anybody, Lord, who's feeling like they can't confess, or feeling like they're not worthy enough, they're not right. Lord, I would just pray against that, Lord, that they would be reminded of the work that you've done to redeem them, to love them, and that they are your children you know how to give good gifts to the ones you love, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would know that tonight. That we would press into that. That as our joy is fulfilled, we desire the things that you want. And as we ask for the things you want, Lord, you graciously give them to us. Generously give them to us, God. We love you in your name.